Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. So as we uh, begin a period of practice, sometimes it helps to remind ourselves what we're doing. We sit down so many different times during the day and during our life for many different reasons. Do you sit in the car or go sit on the bus? You sit to eat, the dining table, you sit on the toilet, you sit in a chair, a sofa. So it's just good to remind ourselves, like, what is this sitting about? What's our intention? And just to frame for the mind what that is. So it can be helpful sometimes to just take an intention for, uh, may I be aware of what's happening in the mind and body. Or however in your own words frames your aspiration for what it is that you are wanting to attend to. So sometimes there's a period in which there's some particularly difficult emotions coming up or some thorny thought pattern that's kind of sweeping you over and over again. So you can even take a specific attention, intention. May, may I bring awareness to this, whatever it is? May I develop balance with this? And then just let it go. Let that intention go and then commence practice. So in the letting go part is also something different happening there. And in the beginning of the retreat, it it talked about... uh, you know, taking your intention and then letting it free like a you know, bird flying from the hands. Or in the beginning of the retreat, I talked about falling into the retreat, like falling off the back of a boat into the water. Or here, maybe more appropriately, it would be like falling into the snow drift, <laughs> like you're going to make the snow angels or something like that. You know, falling backwards, the sense of, uh, of letting go into something that you feel can... Uh, hold you. So what is this thing that can hold us and is that there? So this could be construed, this word dhamma, you know, this truth, this nature of which we're all a part, which we perceive ourselves as different. You know, we, we misperceive ourselves as a separate independent, isolated entity. Whereas actually, we ourselves are not different from this nature. So this is the meaning of uh, taking refuge also. One meaning could be this taking refuge is reminding ourselves of the possibility of this letting go, the possibility of 
there being something different than what we perceive to be like me and my problems or even me and my meditation practice or me and my struggles. So taking refuge is some way of uh, reminding us that there's some something else. But even as I speak of it, it's not a thing, you know. The, the words are, are hard to use to describe with nouns and verbs. And, but the sense of the, the falling, the trust, and can gain some, uh, we can gain some energy with this as we practice, as we see into what's true as we get some sense from following our own truth, the, the, the homing device for truth that's there. As we track that, we can have a greater and greater connection to what's possible from taking refuge. So you can also make that in your own words, you know, take refuge in nature or the truth, or maybe the word Dhamma speaks to you, maybe it doesn't. But sometimes it can help in that letting go to just fall back into that surrender. And then see what happens, what's possible there. So one of the things that's possible is actually seeing the nature of all of the different phenomena that appear in the awareness. It's helpful also with the sense of refuge to remember that this awareness can receive anything. So no matter what the thought, what the emotion, what the body sensation, awareness can meet anything at all. Even if the idea comes up like, I can't take this, I can't stand this. And that also is just a thought, but awareness itself can meet any experience, strong, weak, intense, frightening, beautiful, ecstatic, terrifying. That taking refuge also means little by little developing trust in this. So as we attend to the different experiences that come through in the emotions and the moods and the body sensations, thoughts, so we start to notice the process of that. It's a different way of relating, particularly a different way of relating to thinking. So insight can come from noticing the impermanence of all of these objects, so that they're all temporary visitors. Everything is like the snowflakes, falling, landing, falling, landing, falling, landing. And in this we can get a sense also of the lack of solidity that we misperceive sometimes.
So a sense of the selflessness of the process. It all just happening in some way. And then noticing in the relationship that arises to these, when there's a sense of pulling, pushing, grasping onto one snowflake, pushing away another one, how that causes some suffering, the strain, stress, distress. So let's just rest. Rest and let go, take refuge as we sit together.
just observing with the kind awareness, whatever it is that is presenting itself in this moment. In whatever way it seems to be there. Sometimes we notice the beginnings, sometimes we notice somewhere in the middle, sometimes we notice in the end. But everything arises and passes away on its own. You can get interested in this process. It's not always apparent to us when we're not paying attention.
And notice if there's any sense of resistance or holding in relationship to whatever it is that's arising in experience. And we can even bring kind awareness to this resistance or holding. Becoming intimate and knowing what that is like. And knowing it's fading if it fades away. knowing its increase if it increases. Noticing how this too has arisen on its own, unscripted. And observing what happens.
And sometimes if there's something very difficult to be with, we can skillfully use the connection to the breath to help stabilize the attention, the mind. It's getting knocked off balance. So just coming back to the breath. Staying steady with the in-breath, out-breath. Then venturing a little bit into whatever it is is the difficult object of attention, whether it's emotion or thought or body sensation. And then coming back again finding stability with the breath.
So for some people this practice of taking refuge can be helpful. If it's not helpful to you, then you don't need to try that or you can just forget about it, like everything we suggest here. So only try it and see if it's helpful to use it. But uh, even in other times, if you're going around and you notice that you're struggling with something or you know, even off retreat, there's some big thing that you're struggling with, I find it helpful to remember these two different things which are related to this both compassionate awareness and balanced awareness. So it's possible, like, struggle, 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 like, oh, I can take refuge. I go and take refuge in the Dhamma. So let it go for a moment, just some sense of trust. So it's something you can do as many times a day as you need to, actually, to help yourself to have that sense of falling back, letting go, letting go of the struggle. And then the second one is remembering this compassionate awareness so that it's possible in this sense of struggle, 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 to just recognize like, oh, there's suffering here. And then even just simple one phrase of compassion, or it doesn't even have to be words, sometimes even just a nonverbal calling up of that state can be helpful. Like, oh, this, this is struggle. Like, oh, may I be free from suffering? May I be free from struggle? And then just let it go. So it's good to remember these. It's kind of like, uh, sometimes I try to do something in like a computer program and trying to figure out how to do something and struggle, struggle, and they're like, oh, there's a help function, right? <laughs> right, you could click this button and put your question and then maybe an, maybe an answer is there. Yeah. So a little like that. It's like if you can remember these things as, as possibilities. Uh, and I think as we do that more and more, it kind of strengthens our relationship to uh, both of those avenues and the development of the mind and heart. So they both come more easily, uh, come stronger, and the mind becomes more stable uh, through these practices. So we have a little time if you have questions about your practice or about some instructions. Yeah. I was wondering, uh, I was experiencing an agitated mind and probably borderlined on a lot some anger. Mm. And um, so I was able during the practice to, uh, you know, calm. Everything was calm. It kind of leveled out. I wasn't angry anymore. But there was like... um, kind awareness wasn't really available to me, like, you know, and, um, and investigation, like, I wanted to, I was hoping to dig a little deeper and, and see the root of my, I mean, I have a big, I have these vague ideas of what is irritating me, mm-hmm. but I wanted to go a little deeper, and the investigation seemed to be, um, like, just me waiting, really. Like, I, I didn't know how to start that engine or to get in there, you know what I mean? And uh, so I guess there's a question in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think people heard the question, yeah, even on this side, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the investigation that we're doing is with, uh, with awareness itself, and it actually is different than kind of trying to figure out, like, why did this thing arise? And in, in some ways, like, Sometimes there will be something that arises that tells you something about that, but we actually don't need to worry about it in 
the way of investigation in this practice. So it's actually more being interested in kind of the process of this stuff as it's coming. So when you say that uh, you felt like it calmed, uh, and it's, it sounded like you felt like, oh, I did something, or there was some, some uh, approach to it that helped that to happen. Do you know anything about what happened in that? Yeah. That, that focusing on the breathing kind of took my mind out of it. Right. Calmed me down. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, that sounds like very you know, skillful means that we say, you know, to bring the attention to something like the breath that helps to calm. And then in some ways, that itself is an approach that brings some, it's like a, a kind approach to it. You know, uh, yeah, it makes sense like that. Yeah. I guess I always look for answers, you know? And I guess there's never, there's not always an answer. Maybe there's just calm. <laughs> <laughs> that That's pretty good though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and the back there, yeah. Yeah, so a question about the place of investigation and um, relationship to the practice. Yeah, definitely investigation is there. What I'm suggesting is the investigation uh, is done in a different way than we usually do investigation. So, for example, investigation in the usual way would be like, maybe I notice I'm angry and I'm like, I wonder who I'm mad at. Like, oh, I'm mad at that person. I wonder what I'll do the next time. Well, they said this, and then I'll say this. But then sometimes when I say this, they say this back. So I'm going to try and do that. So that's the way sort of intellectual investigation, or then it goes into some story of like, oh, it's probably because they remind me of my school teacher from third grade, and I remember that school teacher, they were like this, and I wonder why they got like that, you know. So that's not what we're trying to do here. So the investigation is using actually like awareness, and it's kind of more an experiential, uh, experiential thing that we're doing here. So... Uh, like if I was to to wonder like, oh, is this bell cold or hot? You know, and I, I I touch it directly, then I can feel like it's cool, actually. So I know that through direct awareness. Not by saying like, well, the temperature of the air is this, and then the bell is made of this material, and then likely because the heat's been on this. You know, like that would be a sort of intellectual approach, but this is through dropping the awareness into the anger, uh, investigating the nature of it. Right, so like feeling the the movement of that, the temperature, the heat, the you know all this stuff, and sometimes the investigation is seeing the interaction right between like. It's interesting with thoughts and emotions. Sometimes there seems to be some mind state arise, and then that seems to trigger some thoughts, and then sometimes some thoughts arise, and that seems to trigger mind. So even observation of that, but not by sort of getting into the content of thinking in this way in this particular kind of practice, yeah. I start 
schizzy. Mm. And I feel like I'm no longer present. I'm just like that centipede with a hundred feet that wasn't thinking about and starts thinking about Lake 79 and then it falls over itself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you get a lot of instructions and it seems confusing. It's like, yeah, I, I can uh, sympathize with this, you know bring kind awareness and pay attention to the breath and take refuge and this and that. And uh, One thing that could be helpful to remember just conceptually is that uh, in each moment, I think I said this in the first day, like in each moment, there's like one thing that's arising. And sometimes it seems like a lot of things are going on sort of simultaneously, but in some ways it's just seeing sensation in the body, smelling, hearing, you know, they're happening in rapid succession. So basically just take whatever is the, keep it simple, take whatever is the most obvious apparent level <laughs> there, you know, which in this case, sometimes if the mind's like, you know, be kind, then, then if there's another one that's like, don't want to be kind, then it's like, okay, aversion, you know. So this is, this is related to this investigation too, is usually we get caught up in the words and we're thinking about it, but actually kind of grok on to the, the, the sensation beneath that, you know, the, the, energetic fuel of this stuff in some way. So both you can see the process of thought arising and passing, just like a snowflake seems to appear and fall. Right? But also there can be some, some sensing, some knowing of what that state is. And then sometimes it's confusion, like you described. Like, blah, so many things are happening. Then sometimes centipede, okay, that's an, actually an image in the mind, centipede, so thinking. So just keep it really simple, just like whatever seems to be present, and including confusion. Okay, this is confusion, like that, right? Uh, And then sometimes when it's all, you know, just be like, take refuge. (laughs) Then maybe you start up again. Don't want to take refuge. Aversion, (laughs) right? (laughs) What is refuge? Confusion, you know? So just, yeah, just meet it wherever you can in that way, you know? Uh, Yeah, keep it simple, and... Uh, you know, even with these this thoughts of the past and future, it's always just a thought in the moment. You know, it's all just happening now. So we have these ideas about the past and the future, but it's always just a thought right now. So it's always just thinking, planning, remembering. It's just right now. Right? So keep it as simple as possible, I would say. Mm. Yeah, so the question is, if we send metta to someone, um, w- do they actually receive it? Yeah, will, will it go beyond ourself? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question, and we probably have had experience with this in some, um, in some ways, like even just in the immediate surroundings of ourself. So it's considered like this metta, this sense of well-wishing or, you know, even harmlessness is uh, in some ways the greatest gift that we can give to someone else. You know, the sense that they can feel safe in our presence. You know, that we have no intentions of harm towards them. So we could reflect that when there's someone in our vicinity who has that, it's a beautiful thing. You know, if you remember anyone who you feel like has had that intention towards you, uh, you can kind of relax in their presence. You know, you can feel uh, safe. So we do sense that, you know, when that's someone like that versus when it's someone who has uh, mixed intentions or, you know, wants to get something out of us or uh, 
is aggressive in some way, or um, even if it's not sort of aggressive towards us per se, uh, but you know, like, oh, okay, I've seen this person bark at someone else, or I've seen this person be violent to someone else. So it, it does impact us, right? Uh, kind of like if a, a dog has bitten you, then next time you're around that dog, you're like, okay, be a bit careful. Maybe it won't bite me, but maybe it will. Right? So, so in this way, yeah, the, we we definitely affect each other with this metta, you know, what it is that we emanate in some way. It creates this field. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we think, like, well, how can I, how can I create a world in which everyone is nice to me? <laughs> you know, like, this, this, for some, like, the conditions of our happiness is, like, everyone would be nice to me. So how do I create a world in which everyone is nice to me? So we don't really have control over the other's behavior, you know, but... Uh, if there's anything that can be done to uh, cultivate that, to transform the world, it's seeing that the different lenses that we have and the intentions of our own heart uh, actually do something to impact the world and to in some ways create a world that we perceive to be hostile or uh, friendly. And metta is actually considered a protective practice too. It was actually taught by the Buddha as a protective practice. So uh, there's a story about these monastics who went out into the forest and then they got scared they got spooked basically and they came back to the buddha and said like well can we go somewhere else and he said uh, no go back there but here do this practice and he gave them the metta practice and so they went back uh, chanting the metta sutta actually and then as they went back it said that it uh, inclined all the beings in that area to, towards uh, well wishing towards them also you know, because they approached in this way and then perhaps even more importantly, their own hearts were courageous, you know, were stable, were steady, were loving. Right? So that's actually the greatest uh, protection for ourselves too. So yeah, it's, it's, it has an impact, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so observation over So observation over manipulation of experience, you're saying. This is a question, is like... Say a little bit more about this. Um, or the you know, point of question. Yeah, so he's saying it seems like it's less about um, adjusting or trying to change what's arising than uh, observing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd say, generally speaking, I'd say yes, that's definitely true, is that in this trying to see the nature, you know, it, it is like observing with this, you know, gravity, the, like, oh, what, what, what is the nature of these things? And then we actually see more and more that everything is just arising and passing away. Uh, so even this idea of taking refuge, it's more kind of like, we are nature, you know, it's just reminding ourselves that that's the case, you know, like, like we are always falling backwards, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, hap- it's just happening and we're just resisting that or perceiving it differently, you know. At the same time, you know, through the, the Dharma practice, we are trying to uh, cultivate 
particular qualities of mind that help us to see that. So, you know, for example, uh, the collectedness of mind, uh, concentration, you know, does help us to be able to stay with something or the steadiness of mind. So, you know, like uh, the gentleman over here was describing, you know, he brought the attention to like the breathing and that helped to bring some stability perhaps that then, you know, you're able to be with something. So there is a little bit of that cultivation of the, you know, skillful qualities, but basically, yeah, we're, we're trying to uh, observe what's actually true. And then through that, through seeing the impermanence, the selflessness, uh, the dukkha also, then insight can arise that's freeing, it's liberating. So yesterday I was saying about, you know, the the amount of people who have gone through the hall here and uh, also have practiced, and I was thinking, like, yeah, someone had asked me yesterday, you know, is it okay to cry in the hall? And it's like, yeah, you know, to- that's totally okay, and um, you'll definitely not be the first. In fact, like, you know, there's this whole stream of tears from 40 years, you know, and uh, I, when it was snowing so much, I thought, like, oh, yeah, this is like the volume of tears that's... Uh, <laughs> come through the hall <laughs> decades of uh, human human practice and human experience here you know and now we're kind of being blanketed by that in some way right um, so related to that uh, now for some people this is just another day in the office uh, the weather here but uh, <laughs> for someone like myself it seems uh, significantly windy and cold and um there's there is a little advisory about the wind and snow and so on. So uh, particularly from this afternoon, the winds are supposed to be very strong. So there's wind chill factor and things like that. Um, so meaning uh, it probably is better to stay inside more. I know some of you are used to this, and maybe you have all kinds of clothes and stuff. But uh, be careful if you go outside, like. And particularly on the road, um, you know, because there's snow plows that come through and they're kicking up all the snow so they don't see us. So um, it may be better if you're going to go outside to walk just to be uh, a little closer by here. And the winds are supposed to be significantly blowing in the afternoon and so on. So, related question? Yeah. yeah. Um, there, I just wanted to let, remind people that if they do go out on the road, um, there's these reflective vests. Right, he's saying there's reflective vests that you could wear if you go uh, on the road. But generally speaking, we recommend not to go on the road at this time. It's <laughs> blowing blustery wind and snow and difficult visibility and cars, you know, not having good control. So, uh, please to take care. And uh, it's such a good day for meditation inside. We have nice center, so why not do that too? Uh, also to support uh, our continuation of practice in this uh, this day, which is a very powerful day after having done several days of practice together. I want to ask for people to um, particularly attend to showing up on time for the sittings and uh, uh, the periods that we have here. So, you know, when the bell rings, that means, like, move towards the hall, <laughs> like now, right? Uh, and then, in some ways, you could think of the time that is supposed to be the sitting. Is That's like kind of the launch of the boat together. So you want to be on the boat, right? So that will support us all uh, moving in and tandem. Similarly, if there's a group happening, um, like, please just try and show up at the group on time. And you don't need tea for the group, so uh, <laughs> just show up at the group and uh, <laughs> you get tea later. <laughs> so, uh, maybe uh, Alexis will share a little bit with us about walking practice, too.
Good morning. So, I'm just going to give you a weather forecast. Can you hear me? So the snow is never going to (laughs) end. That's the latest forecast. (laughs) Everything's impermanent, but the snow, this blizzard, it it will come to an end today. Uh, Sometime soon, I think. And but it made me think how uh, Anushka was using the word cultivating the mind. And you know, the mind is, is always happening. Uh, it's always arising. And it's what's giving us our experience. And it's a, kind of an easy thing to, to not take notice of. And I think when we come on retreat, it's one of the things we really start to recognize, even without knowing it. We start to know our own emotions, our own thoughts, anything about our experience, really tuning in to the fact that the mind is always going. Right? We could say that's the, the Dhamma never stops. The analogy that Anushka gave with gravity, right? gravity is always operating. We don't remember gravity's working sometimes, but we're on the ground right now, yeah, not on the ceiling. So that's gravity. And so the mind is like that, right? The mind has its, its uh, nature. So the walking, really is a beautiful opportunity to to keep the practice going. And there's something unique about walking because it's, it is in a way something that brings us closer to um, what our lives look like once we're off retreat. We really get familiar with walking with awareness. That can be a very big support once we're back at home or at the workplace, anywhere we're going for a walk uh, on the Yes, the streets, learning to walk with awareness. I mean, what is that like? Can I, can I walk and be aware? So we actually haven't modeled that for you, really, what, what a walking path looks like. Um, some of you have done some walking in the, in the past, uh, have probably been doing that. Now those that are newer to practice have seen people pacing back and forth, and Anushka, I think, mentioned the pacing. So I th- just I thought maybe Pascal, if you would model the. <laughs> so starting right now, what would it be like to stand with awareness? <laughs> Great, beautiful, and just finding a path that's appropriate for you. <laughs> okay, so in the beginning of a, of a walking um, session. And this is one way of doing walking uh, that, is, that can be really supportive, is to, is to take a certain length and, and really sticking with that length during the, the walking period. This is formal walking. And so at the beginning of the path, you might just um, check in, uh, you're sensing, and you might be just noticing, I'll guide you, Pascal, I might be noticing how you're feeling right now, frustrated with me. <laughs> Yeah, and then just, okay, so this is a pace that's just kind of would say slower than the natural pace, so just taking it easy. We say there's a few uh, speeds of walking. One of them would be slowing down just a little bit. And this could be um, kind of supportive when the mind is maybe a bit settled and Okay, and coming to the end, maybe pausing, 
checking in. Maybe the mind got scattered again, just reconnecting and then turning. Great. Okay, and then I'll just take one or two steps of a slower moving. And this one is going to connect with the process of lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, and placing. So the attention is in the feet and really connecting with the sensations that are there. And I'd say when the mind is very agitated, this might be something that's helpful or maybe the mind has too much energy. Okay, so sometimes if there's a lot of restlessness, actually doing some very kind of bit faster than, than, uh, than normal and just letting some of the energy move through. So sometimes difficult emotions, rather than just stewing it, if their mind doesn't find some space and stability, it can be helpful to just do some walking. Um, kind of helps the mind to, to balance again, and then you can be with that difficulty. Um, yeah. So, and then walking over time is just a natural, a natural movement that uh, you get familiar with. Moving is something that we're doing. And so anything that you're connecting to, maybe it's as you stand up, what are you aware of? You know, is it sort of the energy of about to, about to get up, that feeling, that urge, I'm about to lift up or something in the body or the arms moving, the legs moving? It's anything at all. That's the continuity of awareness that we're really trying to encourage because that now becomes the habit of the mind. Right? Just think of our practice is an effort to cultivate the mind moment by moment, just very simply remembering what's happening. Okay? And may we have a fun practice day. We'll take one question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the question is, um, it feels at times almost like a game, um, playing with, uh, what was it, breathing before taking a step and what happens next, Um, kind of being very curious about different things that might be happening in the experience. I'd say if you're you're really curious and, and with your experiencing, noticing what's happening, that's great. You're supporting your awareness and just kind of monitoring for yourself is this to make it more interesting or is it bringing me closer to to what's happening so i can be there watching it right sometimes if we're not really uh, able to be just naturally with the sense of nothing's happening it's a, a might be in the mind you might check see is this just a version to boredom so you might look what is happening and other times bringing that kind of interest and curiosity is the best thing to really be close to, okay, what is this like to be embodied and walk not knowing uh, with ideas what the experience of walking is like? Oftentimes we say, what is it like to take a step as if it's the very first step? And then we, there's a newness to it, right? Each step is new. Placing, lifting, placing. And then again we get, oh yeah, I've been here before, so it's just the mind coming in telling a story. 
So if you bring that curiosity into it, it's beautiful. It gets alive again. So we need to pause here. Great. Have a um, warm, safe, mindful day of practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.